So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I hit record. I hit record. Go. I did. Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Colon Built-in microwave. Semicolon. Um, designing dystopia. More discussion about the prisoner. Yes. The last two episodes, which are especially strange. Sweet. Oh, I'm very excited about this. I don't know if I've seen them, but I, I'm no worries. Like, I want to hear your notes, and I'll, I'll question you. So I'll be last... a good audience. Oh wait! But before we get into yes. that, before we get into that, um, I gotta remember we gotta plug all our all our shit. So, um, you're listening to Feature Creep: Colon Built-in Microwave, as you know. Uh, and you can listen to our podcast wherever podcasts are found, including our website, fcbm.io, where you can listen to it ad-free for sure. And you can you know, also get a hold of us, which is what I was trying to get to. Um, we love to hear from our listeners. So if you want to email Dana, our executive, no, CEO, Dana is now our CEO right. and founder. Um, if you email Dana, D-A-N-A at fcbm.io, uh, you can leave your comments and thoughts about any particular episode or just ideas you want to share or questions you might have that you think we missed, um, you know, on whatever particular topic we rambled all around and never got to. So, uh, anyway, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, I think that's all I have. So, okay. Uh, onward Ooh. and upward with designing dystopia, um, episode right. 6 million and 53, uh, <laughs> the prisoner, the TV show. The Prisoner. The TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched. Um, ooh, big yawn. Ah, that came out of nowhere. I watched the last two episodes okay. of the American series, not the original, uh, whatever British series, which was uh, like half as many episodes. Okay. Yeah. So The and, Prisoner so is a 1967 British television series. Um, right about an unnamed British Thank intelligent you. agent who is abducted and imprisoned in a mysterious coastal village where his captors designate him as number six and try to find out why he abruptly resigned his job. So that's that's the synopsis. Yeah. Um, and that's what's hilarious about that is like if anybody asked me for a description of that show and I was like eloquent enough to produce those words. Yes. That's about as much as I'd be willing to say about it too. Right. Because they don't confirm anything beyond those like couple of facts. Mm-hmm. Yep. He he was kidnapped. He's number six. He quit his job. They want to know why. That's all you get to know. Yep. He he can't get out. Right. So wild. So yeah, he the thing that we've been talking about up to this point is kind of like the design of the show, not yes. in the abstract in terms of the plot, but also like in terms of the actual set design and costuming and things like that. Right. Um and so I I I hadn't really written down a lot of notes. Um for what we've spoken about up to this point because there's just so much that I didn't even need to write it down. You could talk mm -hmm. endlessly about this show because there's so many weird details. Um, but I made, I was a little more disciplined and during the last two episodes, which are kind of like in the American series, they're back to back. So they're sort of like one long episode, but with a break in the middle. Mm -hmm. The second to last episode um, 
features heavily features like the bosses right the other numbers like number twos and things like that and they're like in the green dome and there's all these other people in during this episode who are in like professional attire so as in the previous episodes like we talked about all these people like carry these weird umbrellas in like these garish primary colors and like solid blocks of color or right. like an occasional checker pattern or something like that. But uh, stripes feature prominently in their attire. Um, they're all usually wearing kind of basically the same thing. Right. And so in the last two episodes, everybody's very slick looking. And there's all of the like wild, ugly colors are gone. Yeah. And most everybody is in like black blazers and like there's all these bosses and like workers. They look like office workers or like business attire um they're wearing different turtlenecks under their blazers right, yes and then the, <laughs> the women are in these like super skinny black pants that are kind of like they're kind of like they're not capri pants because they don't cut up that high but they're like um they're like skinny pants from the 60s okay and they're black and they have little flat like, shoes is the um the what's is the hem above the ankle just slightly yes yeah right yeah, they're like little go-go pants or whatever. Well, not yeah. like no, that's not right. They're from the go-go era, but they're like yeah, but they're just like full like, pants. Yeah, gotcha. But like really tight, like stovepipe pants. Yeah, stovepipe pants. Gotcha. Yeah. And then all these women who are working in this like green dome futuristic situation have like so they've got those black pants and they've got like bat wing sweaters on. Okay. And I'm not not yeah. like when they stretch their arm out, there's a bat wing, but like the style of clothing that is bat wing where yes. like instead of your sleeve s snugging tight along the length of your arm up to your armpit and then right. the, the trunk of the shirt staying close to your body. So there's a clear definition between the sleeve and the like torso of the shirt. Yeah. The bat wing shirts have like a lot of drapey fabric that stretch from the hip to the elbow. So yes. the sleeve is like... There's no tiny sleeve hole. It's more like a, through. like, like a, the whole side of the shirt is a sleeve. Like it's a cone that sticks off the side yeah. of the, the shirt. Yeah. Or the. Yeah. Sweater. So yeah. they had like these kind of like hip bat wing shirt dresses on like they right. they're long. They came below their butts. So they're very similar to like current fashion. Right. Like yes. long yeah. sweatshirts or sweaters, sweater dresses with like leggings underneath. Um, so I was like, wow, that's like super fashionable right now, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're all in gray and black and like all the other bosses and stuff are in the black blazers with the different turtlenecks. And then one thing I didn't notice, and I, I don't know if this was there the whole time and I was just so overwhelmed with all the details that I didn't recognize it. But I noticed that in that room with the spinning teeter totter where they have the yes, viewfinders and the, they're like, like looking down at everybody. Operation did you center. Ever, yeah. Do you remember the dome of that room being constellations? No, I don't remember that. Okay. It caught my eye too. So I'm thinking that perhaps in the prior episodes. Yeah. The dome was just a dome and it was like architectural materials, but not like any kind of an imagery or projection or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure that they only showed up in the last two episodes. I'm going to watch this all again. And so I'll let you know. But okay. um, yeah, so there's like a, a ton of constellations in the same way that you think of constellations as surrounding the earth in a, in a, in imaginary right. sphere, right? With quadrants right. in the yes. sky and things like that. Um, yep. So that was new. 
they also like all these people in this episode, not all of them, but a lot of them were wearing those funky sunglasses that just have the little slit in the center. Yes. Yeah. The sort so of like they're actually, like snow like, glasses or whatever, like for yes! snow blindness. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They're all wearing snow blindness glasses, but they've got like different um, like veneers and overlays so that the they're differentiated. Like the tr- the patterns on them is a yes. little different. One of them looks kind of weirdly like wood grain a little bit or something. Uh-huh, it's very strange. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, no, no explanation for why they're all of a sudden all wearing these like snow blindness slit sunglasses indoors. Right. right. No, I no idea. Um, the dome in these episodes because of its slightly changed appearance yes. reminds me so much of the room with all of the red drapery in Twin Peaks and the bl- and the black and white checker floor. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So yes. I, I had like f- total flashbacks to Twin Peaks. There is also, re- correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a like a small person who features prominently in Twin Peaks, right? Uh, I believe in, uh, for sure in um, the movie, uh fire walk uh, with me or whatever or is it yes yeah um yeah which, fire walk with me yeah but i don't know if in the original show if that's true okay so in the in the prisoner there is a character who features um prominently in the last two episodes and he's dressed in a butler outfit and i don't know if he's just a very small man Yes. Like he's just very short, very small right. person. Um, and so he ha- has like this very strange little butler's outfit on and uh-huh. like um, is assisting and also kind of like a little bit in charge some of the time. It's very weird. The last two episodes are very strange. And so that was like another parallel. I'm like, there's b- these weird rooms with the wed- red draperies and like yeah. the small men acting as sort of like butlers. Uh-huh. That's weird. Why does that that show up in both of these? Very strange. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Or like maybe a banker, banker butler. Like I get you. Sure. Yep. Yeah, it's like a little three-piece suit. Um, There's also like one of the things that I really enjoy about the prisoner is that they use um, common objects from the time period that they sort of like dress up to look like something else. And so, yeah, there's a a mind control device or some sort of machine like that that like you know a brain sucker that they like put over. Uh, number six's head to try and influence him or suck his brains out or whatever but it right. it's just like a hair dryer for women who get their hair set <laughs> yes but it's been yes. like very heavily modified and uh-huh. I was like, I'm, is that a it's hair got dryer? all like greeblies sure on it or whatever hair dryer yeah <laughs> uh, that's fantastic um so i, I think, noticed that yeah so i think that this is um like a good place to like take a moment and like discuss some of this. So like, um, like in the context of the show, like it's, I think it's important to remember that, um, the, the general, uh, setup or environment that number six lives in is this like in prison. He's a prisoner, right. In this village that like on the surface is like very idyllic, right? Like it's this beautiful sort of Mm -hmm. summery, sort of Mediterranean vibe. Like they try to make it feel like a very Mediterranean kind of like, um, you know, coastal village that has all of, you know, all the wonderful things one might need to relax and have like a really great summer vacation. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, a lot of the activities that go on in the background are people like dining in a, a, you know, a seaside cafe with like a, you know, umbrella on a nice little, you know, sort of French bistro style, like outdoor dining table with like a bagel or something or not bagel, but like, you know, some French, Uh um, 
you know, some kind of French pastry or something and, and a, a spot of coffee, that kind of thing, or a cup of tea. And everything is like, you know, perfectly manicured and everything is all set in this environment where every time you see a show, it's like the entire, like what you're describing is like kind of revamped and like the the outfits and the the sort of overall theme for the show like all the villagers are doing a new yeah. thing now and they're you know like right and and so they're like living their daily lives in this village but it's like oh this thing's happening today so we're like doing this you know this whatever and then and then you have mm-hmm. those like cuts to those scenes like when you go to the control room where it's like you go from the outside sort of quaint village vibe to yes. the inside where some of the interiors are quaint village rooms and then some of them are like you know high tech spy facility sort of prisoner like cavernous taver- cavernous like sort of you know futuristic um Mm-hmm. spaces where you see like a something like a you know the brain sucker or whatever the brain the the brainwashing <laughs> device um yeah. you know and it becomes this like sort of like 60s idea of like clean bright you know angular metallic sort of control rooms with like big screens and crazy weird equipment and um you know flashy lights and whatever and uh and and so all of it gives you that sense of that like dystopian sense of like you know you're being forced to live in this in this village and then you're like constantly like switching into this like you know sterile surgical kind of environment and then you're back into the village and and nothing makes sense because the villagers are just like nobody will really engage with you in any meaningful way other than like their script that they're allowed to like talk with you about and like it's just this like exactly and so when we're talking about like the set design and like the changes and clothing and things and like it's it's really interesting to see um how that is like portrayed because i think by today's standards, looking from one episode to the next, if you weren't if you weren't watching the show, it might not be immediately obvious like how much has changed. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes yeah. it's still like stylistically within that sixties sort of sixties, early seventies, sort of like home <clears throat> modern home environment, right? Like very kind of mm-hmm. um God, I wanna say like weird, like olive colored cabinets and things yep. and like the the palette 100%. choices my parents house yeah yeah yep we had the bizarre. formica tabletop or formica countertops with like the gold glitter in it yep and yep olive olive green cabinets our refrigerator was green um the living room was painted aztec gold yeah it was the name of the paint color um the like dark black walnut colored wood and like tomato red like our neighbor's house is very similar but instead of green cabinets they had the deep dark like in my house the reason i painted my kitchen the way that i have it is because it's reminiscent of my neighbor's house growing up as a kid and it was decor from the 70s yes yeah oh it's so um yeah so go on so you had more observations like i think yeah oh so yeah, it's like the the what you pointed out is like the distinction between like this outward display of what this town is about yep. and like what's actually going on behind the scenes and like the outside is like quaint and looks like a Dr. Seuss book and yes. like inside behind the scenes it looks like 
um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when they go to the Emerald City and they meet with Oz and it's like the great and powerful Oz and everything's like ooh and there's like columns everywhere and like um, like just sort of grandiose scale of things and yes. like the idea that someone is in charge here you know yep. <laughs> like, yep. um, and all these like bustling workers and stuff behind the scenes and going around with like hard hats and strange little outfits and Right, like little hazmat gear and things. Um, so the they sort of like in the last two episodes they sort of move away from that Susian exterior, um, like projection of what the town is about, and they they get more behind the scenes and like they get into this weird thing where, like number six and number two get locked into a jail together, like an oh. like with bars. Yes, and this is where that butler man comes in, and he's kind of like dealing with them through the bars a lot um so like number they basically one of them has to outlive the other that's the deal at this point or what i gathered anyway maybe i misinterpreted that but like number two has to die in order for number six to be number two or something like that Uh or to get free yeah and so uh, like the whole thing is set up where Patrick McGoon's character is like not going to break, you know, because they right. keep pumping him for information. And now they're in this like insane psychological situation, which I'm not really sure if they designed to elicit a particular response other than to just make you insane. Yeah. Like, Patrick McGoon is um, is number six. Number he, six. He's like one of the only consistent characters in the show. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Because number two changes like every episode. There's a different number yep. two and they never really explain that either. Um, so there's like all of these. Uh, they're in like an underground cave. Damon says it's very reminiscent of Dr. No, which I have. Yes. Yeah. Dr. No is a, a James Bond. Yeah. Early, early James Bond film, which yeah. a lot of this is like both the same era has a very similar feel to it. Um, mm hmm. Yeah, there's this, definitely. I can see, yeah. like you know, D, um, Austin Powers, Doctor Evil, right? Yes. Like everything about the decor and the feel of the Doctor Evil scenes in Austin Powers is very much like analogous to the behind the scenes goings on in The Prisoner as well. Like it's 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 undeniable to me that there's a direct line between the behind the scenes of The Prisoner and the behind the scenes in Doctor Evil's lair. Like right. they're the same. Place. <laughs> yes so very similar aesthetic right right um and so uh except for in this weird underground cave with the with the bars and everything set up the set is like designed with these gigantic are articles or artifacts from childhood so like gigantic blocks with number or letters on them and like a gigantic rocking horse and like all this weird shit from childhood and i'm like are they trying to like are they regressing all the way and then going up again i'm i wasn't really sure what the childhood like thing was supposed to be about i don't know if it was about like confronting your childhood fears anyway um number two dies and then like number six there's all these people in medical radiation suits oh (laughs) fantastic yeah like what they put on to go explore <laughs> Chernobyl, you know? Yes, like, right, um, right. And then there's a weird court with a man in a powdered wig. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like a barrister and a, and a judge or whatever. And there's um, s- this weird thing where they smear a bunch of shaving foam uh, onto number two and then like put a hemorrhoid pillow on a stick and then there's like a hair dryer, but it's, these are all things supposedly to like bring him back to life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
And because I don't know like the lingo for what they might be referred to in the script or the show, I'm just like, why? I can see shaving foam when I, I uh-huh, like from uh-huh. across the room. I can tell what that is. So they're putting shaving right. foam on him, and then this like what looks like a hemorrhoid pillow on a stick that they kind of like shove at him, and right, um, right, <laughs> and, and hair dryer, you know. And uh, anyway, um, number two becomes alive again, and they let Patrick McEwen number six go, and he is free, and he leaves, and they yes. don't say anything more about that, right. and then it ends. Wow. <laughs> So I like to kind of link this to uh, the concept of designing dystopia. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it's important. We take a moment to talk about that. Like, you know, one of the things we've done in our previous episodes is talk about just like, what the fuck does it even mean? And, um, you know, like, what do you mean a dystopia? Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, our Mm -hmm. anyway, so, I don't think we need to really rehash that. I think if you're interested in those discussions, um, there are episodes titled Designing Dystopia um, that you can search in our back catalog and you'll find them. Um, But one of the things I was thinking about is like the way that the prisoner as a show approaches this dystopia, like designing a dystopia, is that it's very... um, It's very psychological torture, right? Or or not even like... See, the thing about the term torture that I struggle with is it feels very specific to me, right? Like, like I'm going to cause you, I'm going to do negative things to you until you give up what I want, which is is yeah. a premise of the show in a sense, right? They're trying to find mm-hmm. out why he why he quit this being a spy, like why he tried to resign. Um, yeah, and so it's you know in that sense, it's certainly app term to use psychological torture but a lot of this is like it feels more um it's not always torturous so much as it's like like trickery right like oftentimes some of the approaches are more like they're trying to elicit certain responses from him um through interactions that uh push buttons for him right and so Mm -hmm. as in terms of like designing a dystopia like they've created this environment that is um in many ways, like a dystopia for one man. Yeah, right? it's very, it's a private hell. It is a private hell that a lot of people are working on and towards in order for him to have this particular kind of discomfort um, mm-hmm. or non-utopian experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I, I'm like, you know, so how does that fit into our concepts? Like, um, you know, from a design perspective on the show, we can talk yeah. a lot about like what you've been talking about, like the set design, the visual effects. Um, you know, obviously when we're talking about a video media like TV, um, it's important to note that, you know, there's choices in, you know, editing and all of these things come together, right? Like it's not just like they built this village and so now it's a dystopia. It's like, no, they built this village, but right. they filmed in a certain <laughs> way. They wrote scripts yeah. in a certain way. So all of these things come together to give that experience. But when you're in that world, like watching the show and you're thinking about how um, how all of this like lands on you as a viewer who is like participating and watching the show and thinking about um, you know what it means to like number six and like uh, uh, trying to, I think in many ways, like they try to put you, the viewer like, many of the episodes that I've watched, like you're oftentimes like the perspective is one of like what's happening to the protagonist. Like how is the pr- pr- protagonist experiencing this? And his reactions are oftentimes, um, I think designed to be 
what what they hope the viewer would be feeling, right? The like outrage and frustration. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there, so yeah, it's designed to create empathy. Yeah, like empathy. So like you empathize with number six and you're like, I, you know, and the, like every every beginning episode, like at the beginning of every episode, the um, what's it called? The the um, the intro where he's like mm-hmm. it ends with him being like, I am not a number. I am a free man or, um, yeah. you know, it's like very much like every episode kind of revolves around that theme. Right. And then or all the episodes I've seen. And even though like each one, it's like its particular approach to a dystopia is insanely complicated and detailed. Like each one, it's like they're like, and this is where I think about like when we talk about designing a dystopia and I think that um, the prisoner is such a great resource for like looking at all of these ideas because each episode is like a take on a different way of doing this. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, each one has this sort of like who, who is the, who is the target of the dystopia? Because I think I, I now that I think about it, I think it's not fair to say that it's like totally on one person. There are episodes where you learn a little bit about other characters and their numbers, just a little bit, um, which yes. seems to indicate that everyone is there in some prisoner kind of capacity, right? Like they're they're yes. they're coerced or held in this place in some way. Now, whether it's you know physically held or it's sort of like. Um, you know, basically leveraged into this position where they have some, you know, reason that they're doing it because they don't have a choice because, you know, somebody has some power over them is always Mm -hmm. left a little bit nebulous, but it does kind of have that. um, I, I think one of the themes that I, I see is that like a lot of the characters seem to feel a certain level of fear of not performing the way that they're expected to. Um, some, some of the time, other times, other times I see villagers, they seem to, um, like I'm remembering back to the episode of the, like the election, I think it was, or where, where they have like the, um, where many of the characters seem to take a lot of pleasure and joy in like being part of the process. Right. So like they're leaning in and they're very excited and they just like whisk him away in, in the task that's in front of them, whether, you know, the very first episode, um, with what's her name who drives him around, um, you know, the arrival when he kind of first learns about the taxis and like she drives him around and takes the tiny little car. Yes. Yeah. And the tiny little, the tiny little Jeep like cars. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they're like golf carts that kind of look like jeeps i guess like yeah they remind me of like the little vehicles that you travel around like disney slash universal studios like yes you're taking a tour or something except yes they're not in a, tr- a conjoined train they're just right. individual they kind of oh they kind of remind me a little bit of like you know how at the airport you've got those little cars that whisk you from gate to gate if you have a yeah. broken leg or something like that, and they're right. they're bigger than golf carts. They're not golf carts. They're like they have yeah, like they can go them. yeah for sure. That yep. kind of reminds me of those, not full sized like a car, right? But right. a tiny little zippy conveyance. Yes, tiny little <laughs> zippy conveyance. Yeah. Um. So uh. I think like like in designing a dystopia, it's interesting to think about um the different ways that one can kind of create human suffering, right? Like, um, you know, cause there's in some ways the, like one of the elements of all the episodes, as far as I can tell is there's a certain like hierarchy of power, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where power is very concentrated in number two. Um, 
potentially like you know but like in that episode that you described it seemed like number two was like also a prisoner but then it seems like but that's the way that they do a lot of twists on the episodes right like where it's like because you said at the end they were trying to revive or they did revive number two they did they brought him back to life with shaving foam right and so it's like it's like all of these when you watch these episodes it's like all of them are these like elaborate psychological games that are played with number Mm -hmm. six and Mm -hmm. one wonders if that is um that's certainly at this point like an obvious trope of dystopias is a sort of a certain level of like psychological torture or psychological games um that are you know lead towards discomfort there's oftentimes like it's a lot of like build someone up before the like you know so that they have more to lose and then take it all away you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah it's 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 definitely there uh in this dystopia it's not there's not the fear of like imminent death or like violence per se like he's never really physically threatened aside from the fact that he can't get out of where he is but nobody's trying to like harm him right it doesn't seem like nobody's doing weird medical experiments or like injuring him in any way he's just stuck there and if he would just tell them what they wanted to know then we don't know what would happen after that but like there nobody's like or we'll kill you (laughs) right or we'll kill you yeah exactly yeah (laughs) so yeah it's all like psychological and i think like damon said some of his other work patrick McGowan's work in the other like roles he played and stuff were always characters who whose storyline focused on their integrity you know their like moral upstandingness or whatever oh yeah and Mm -hmm. so um like it makes sense if that's what he was chiefly concerned with as like a director and writer and artist that right. um like the whole focus of this would also be like about your character and not about something else right right yeah yeah and that's i mean i i think cuz if um, he was like a spy or something like his cunning as a spy is never a factor in any of the plot it's it's no. him doing what he thinks is the ethical thing to do and and refusing to discuss that or whatever. I wonder if that's um, a part of the show, like a theme that maybe is not as much talked about, but the idea that like the reason he quit is that he found some internal moral or ethics. Yeah. And like now, something now he he's trying him to... to do conflicted with those. And right. that's why he had to leave I, or whatever. I do I do often like especially when I watch older shows um especially shows that are centered around white men um that I I often have this like I I always usually think to myself I'm like yeah they're going to paint this person as the idyllic hero like moral superior hero in all contexts because that was the demand of the white man at that time right like that was what was like it was the sort of lionization or heroing in heroing or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't know whatever the fucking right word is but like you know like you look at star trek um you know like captain kirk was like the like the pinnacle of like what it was to be a, a good and just white human male right um yeah and so i'm not necessarily right. saying like i wouldn't be surprised if the the prisoners like subvert some of that in some context but as everything i've seen that continues mm-hmm. to be the case for the main character um yeah. like and that's emblematic of shows of that era right like we don't have 
main characters that have flaws. You know, like they don't yes. like Captain Kirk didn't have flaws. Like his one flaw right. was that he was too much of a man, too perfect. You know, like I <laughs> yeah. like he people died because that was the right thing to do and we could have saved them, but then we would have not, you know, like I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah. sort of like um as opposed to like like the characters that we have now where it's like um you know, deeply flawed characters that are, you know, part of the main story arc or whatever. And yeah. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and in that respect, um, I often find that one of the things about the prisoner that falls down for me is that the main character is a very flat character. Like he doesn't typically <sighs> he doesn't typically have a lot of like growth. Right. Like, because the whole plot centers around him being basically like a stone wall against the intrusiveness of his former yes. employer, we think, but we don't know right. because we're right. not sure who has imprisoned him. Um, right. So, yeah, like his whole thing is remaining stoic the entire time. Yes. Yeah. And and so in that regard, um, the main character is not the main character. Like oftentimes, I think the, mm-hmm. the, the interesting characters that develop are often number two and the the incidental characters around them um right if that makes sense so yeah um interestingly i found um a video of patrick mcgoon on canadian television talking about the prisoner and the making of the show and the meaning of the show and i have not watched it it's 36 37 minutes long Oh, interesting. But um, I'm like, man, now I don't know if I want to watch that until I've gone back and watched the original episodes that Patrick McGowan de- developed for British television, um, right. which is a shorter run than the American version and maybe more coherent or maybe not so many red herrings or something because I think the more details you put into a story, the more things that are going to be included that just aren't that meaningful. But since you can't yes. tell, you're apt to go off on any detail. and like, Right, right wormhole on it or whatever um right so uh i i want to watch that but i i kind of want to like try to interpret more about this show on my own before sure yeah no i get get that before you right um it's a good one though i love this show so much like i did not think i would like it as much as i like it right right i one of the things that i appreciate about this show is um the pacing is I I like it because oftentimes older shows are so slow in the pacing that I just can't I can't bother to watch like it's it's hard to watch it coming off of like modern television where it's like everything's <laughs> yeah. so much like dialed to 11 um and so but <laughs> I try to appreciate that that um it's actually like such a rich show and if you allow yourself to like take a moment and slow down and watch it. There's actually a lot to see and like absorb and, and like interact with, or I don't know if interact is the right word, but like think about and consider like while you're watching the mm-hmm. show. Cause, and I, but I do like that. Um, I, I don't know if you've watched like any kind of like recent, like, you know, low budget sci-fi or just like uh, my partner and I, like we've watched some like, we've watched some movies recently and I can't think of any off the top of my head, like the names of them cause they're pretty forgettable. But, um, there's this, there seems to be this trend of show like movies, like trying way too hard to be edgy and like, Oh yeah. And so it's like, 
like you know they they set up this premise where it's like you're not going to find out like this this simple answer to this simple question for like half the movie because and then you're going to have these like long drawn out scenes where it's like very cinematic and like sure i guess it's beautiful or whatever like look at your (laughs) you know look you went out and filmed the sunset and that's cool but it's like like there's like not a lot going on the dialogue isn't driving the story very quickly like you know Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like oh my god but the prisoner doesn't have that like the prisoner i feel like the pacing is good like the the dialogue drives the story the interactions the shots the screenshot like you know the shots of the um you know the main character or whatever's going on like to convey the story is is actually really good i think that's one of the things that makes it such an enjoyable show to watch even though it's you know filmed in an era where um you know in like relatively low resolution and all of these things like none of that Mm -hmm. fucking matters like they do such a good job of like framing and showing the sets and showing the dialogue and having like even when the acting isn't fucking brilliant it's like no like it's solid like nothing is wasted you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of um uh ruben and ed Oh, yes. Because in that, like, each episode has this sort of, like, quality to it that it's, like, nothing's wasted. Yeah. Like, you know, every scene matters. Every scene helps advance and tell the story that they're wanting to tell. Whether you enjoy that particular story or whether you agree that those are good ideas or whatever is irrelevant Mm -hmm. to the fact that it's well put together. Like, everything's well considered. The shots are clear. the The lines of dialogue are delivered. They make sense. Like, you you know, I mean, there's shit that doesn't make sense, but like it makes sense that it doesn't make sense. It's like, what the (laughs) fuck are they doing? Like, you know what? But like you understand what's happening, right? Like the story is conveyed clearly. I mean, it's one of the reasons like it's the thing about our podcast that we've always been like the bare minimum is just that it's audibly understandable. Like we don't have to have like fucking, you know, radio lab qualities of like amazing, amazing audio experience. It's just that the editing Mm -hmm. involved Mm -hmm. is that it's understandable. You don't have to follow along or agree with what we're saying or fucking, you know, even draw sense from the words that are coming out of our mouths. But you do know what the words are. Like, you know, that when Ned is talking, Ned's talking and when Meg's talking, Meg's (laughs) talking and there's some, you know, ability like and that's what I mean about the prisoners. Like there's this quality, this level of quality where I'm just like, this is nice to watch because everything about it is well presented, whether you agree with it, whether you like fucking jelly donuts or not is is, you know, secondary. Yes, I would say that like. It is fairly simple in terms of, so it's very straightforward. It's all filmed in one place. Right. Same little town. Never leave it. His, his, the room that he lives in, in his little house never changes. He doesn't, there's not that much stuff. Like it's very elegant and straightforward. And like the design is just like there and it's very consistent. And it's so much more impressive to me to have that than to have something that's like, fireworks that accidentally catch some shit on fire you know what i mean right, like and it just right, turns yep. into a dumpster fire like i uh i'm not super impressed with all the flashy shit i get that lasers are cool i just want to know if you can like consistently convey something and like really nail it home and yeah. they totally do that in the prisoner like the oh i just dropped my phone which is dying and probably just made its last gasp as i smashed it into <laughs> earth um, <laughs> Not helping. Uh, <laughs> it already won't hold the charge. And now I just destroyed it. Um, oh, no. 
So yeah, what I love about the show is that for like 17 episodes in the American version or whatever, however many in the British version, 10 or so, something like that, it's it just is unfaltering in its style and the message yeah. that it's conveying. Like it's right. so consistent. And even so much so that like all these other shows that we've mentioned that are like, oh, obviously that's derivative of the prisoner because you can see because of the way it is, right? Yes, it makes me right, a right. little less proud of those shows. Like, oh, you guys you guys yes. are not as original as I thought you were. And right. now that I've seen your version of the prisoner, I still like the old version from the sixties. Yeah. So um I don't disagree with you. Like I, I after having watched you know, started watching the prisoner. Um, I've definitely started to be like, Oh, Oh, but one of the things I try <laughs> to remember is that, um, those other shows, they identified a good idea. Like if I, if they did it well, like they identified a good idea and they tried to flesh it out. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. not terrible, but I also understand like it, it is like, it is a little frustrating where you're like, eh, I feel like you presented this as novel and it's not. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, and to be fair, like it's not as though anybody was like, "Look at this cool idea we had." No, and I, yes, like, discovered that that prisoner was where they got it from. Like it's right. just there was like the good place, for example. I'm like, oh yes. no, this is just the prisoner. Rebirth. Yes, I love yeah. the good place. Yeah, and the good also, place is lovely and wonderful, but it is it is that right? There's so much of that totally in the good it. place. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it I would argue like if some, uh, yeah, if you liked the good go place. If you liked the good place for the like the it's hard because there's that similarity between the good place and the prisoner but also they're very different shows like the prisoner is not oh yeah um does not deliver quite a lot of comedy although I feel like (laughs) I I feel like they do I, I mean some unintentionally like the the giant weather balloon security devices that are Mm -hmm. um and if you're not familiar with the show they are represent like they represent these massive white blobs that are sort of like the security agents of the village and so if somebody tries to run they get run a bowled over by a giant rubbery sort of weather balloon white weather balloon that um but in the show it's like this autonomous sort of robot thing that that sort of like crushes them to the ground and then it it's portrayed (laughs) as being painful and terrible and then they sort of wake up in the hospital at the um are you know at the in the village again like they don't get to leave mm-hmm. but it's like yeah it's kind but of it's, like it reminds me of like when your die guys your guy dies in a video game and then you just like go back to the start and have to start over. yeah yeah it's kind of like the way it's portrayed like that but um i forget where i was going with this oh but oh, but shit, from sorry. a comedy <laughs> point of view like you and i find this to be kind of funny but um, it's not necessarily intended to be like particularly hilarious. Um, Correct. It's, right. It's I, more. I, it's it. And what my point is like, you know, the good place is this sort of like sort of modern sitcom as as it's not quite a sitcom because they do. There's a pr- progress, right? Like I love that show because every episode builds on the last one and. Um, Sorry, Meg is uh, struggling with her headphones, so I want to make a good chance. <laughs> yeah, so what I was saying is like the the good place builds on a um, builds on its story, so it's not quite a sitcom in the traditional sense of like you know what's going on right. in apartment B now. Like it's more just like mm-hmm. you know oh okay last week this happened and now this thing happened, so it's progressive. But it's also a comedy in some senses, right? There's lots of hilarious oh, totally. shit that happens, and it's very funny. Um, and so 
that is not really happening in the prisoner. There's, I think there's moments of humor that are, um, like you and I find really funny because we love the absurdity of it. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I think one of the reasons we find the, the weather balloon so absurd is just the idea of it and the whole, like the impracticality of it. And like the, the, like <laughs> yeah. this is terrifying. And it's like, and you know, it would be, if that was a real thing, like it would be kind of fucking terrifying, but also like, Oh my God. Like I'm just getting rolled over by a giant overinflated condom. Balloon. Like what the fuck is happening right. right now? Um, yes, it's so funny. And it's always like to make it visually interesting on film. Yes. Like the people who are getting smushed by it are always like really wet so that you can see through the latex of this. Balloon yes. To the yeah. person underneath it. Yes. Being smushed. Yeah. And so it's transparent enough. You have to get it wet first. And so there's yeah. this kind of just like, just looks like really sweaty people. <laughs> yes, just being crushed by a big giant overinflated big weather condom. balloon. Yeah, big condom. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like an old condom, like those ones that were sort of opaque. You know, like mm -hmm. yes, yeah, right before they got really fancy in the colors and the flavors and everything. Right, they yeah. just like the plain old like they basically look like a rubber glove from the doctor's office yes. before they switched to nitrile because everybody got allergic to latex. Yes, exactly. Yep. Oh God. But yeah, so it's just kind of funny to be like, like I get what they're going for. And I think if, if, if I was in that situation where I was suddenly coming to the realization that I had been imprisoned in a very strange place, yes. um, maybe the very fact of being imprisoned in a strange place feels threatening. And right. then a giant weather balloon comes and smushes me. I, I think on the first couple of times it might be very alarming. And then after that, I'd probably be like, oh, let's get the weather balloon over with. Yes. Right. Right. Just don't wriggle around. It goes faster if you just lay there. Uh -huh. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Like, how do we figure out how to just like move through this uh -huh. experience and start over in bed or whatever the hell happens? Uh-huh. Because, um, yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like it's causing anybody any harm aside from yeah. the annoyance of, like, waking up where you weren't a few minutes ago. So as far as I can tell, um, you never actually find out what happens to the person other than they wake up in the hospital, right? Yeah. And I'm just kind of spitballing here, but um, <laughs> one could imagine that um, if they have the technology to bring number two back to life, that... Um, it's quite possible that the weather balloons are actually killing these people. Mm. And it's also possible that like, you know, this village has that aspect to it of, um, of like, you know, this imprisonment endures past death. Interesting. So like, you know, we talked about, um, I think it was, uh, so that story, I have no mouth. Um, yeah, and, and I, I must scream. Yeah, I must scream by uh, Harlan Ellison. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about that in the context of designing dystopias, and one of the main themes of that mm -hmm. is that um, the main characters are being tortured by this, you know, super intelligence computer thing, and right. it keeps them alive. Like it doesn't allow them to die, right? Um, yeah, and so that, uh, you know, that's. Uh, That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that because, yeah, because at the very end, they revive number two with the shaving foam and the hairdryer. Yes, right. And so I'm just so saying there is um, evidence for there being like for the persisting past death or whatever. You're right. Right. Ugh. 
So, um, maybe that weather balloon's deadly. It smothers you. It will smother you to death when you're in your own sweat. Just yeah, st- stretch over your nose holes, and that's it. Well, that has a. That's the only really grim thing that I that I think I've considered about this show. What you just said—that maybe people are stuck there after death. Like that's really. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, like you have to understand, like that you know that may be just you know it's like any of these theories about shows where it's like you know you talk about it's like well beyond the the scope of whatever the writer intended right like it's just sort of you know based on your description of the episode you just watched um you know originally i was just like well yeah that seems in fitting with the way that the episodes go where it's like some extreme different new thing happens and so it's not like you know, I, I'm just. It just occurs to me that in the universe of the show, they've established that 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 dynamic could exist. Um, yeah. They never seem to imply that people die from the weather balloons, but they yeah. do seem to imply that it's very scary, and people are afraid of it and don't want it to happen. Right. So, right. you know, it's. I they I like that they bob around on like walkways and streets and stuff. Like yeah. where just people are. And like Patrick McGowan always just moves out of the way and it bobs past him. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, and because it's, you know, it just depends on whether, it, like, I think that's one of the things that um, they don't, I, I think that they're going for the idea that like these are just very mysterious blobs and we don't really understand exactly how they work other than like they're mm. to be feared and that they are there to prevent you from escape. Um, yeah. And, and so, they live in the ocean. Well, yeah, but they also don't live in the ocean. Like, they come out of the fountain. They just come out of water. They they bubble out of things, right? Like, they yeah. bubble up out of the ocean. They bubble up out yeah. of the fountain. They just show up on land. Like, you never, like, the most you see them emerging, emerging is, like, out of the fountain. They bubble out of the fountain mm-hmm. or they bubble out of the water. Or they're just mm-hmm. there on land somewhere. Um, right. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody specific is controlling them. No, I think one episode I watched, it seemed to be implied that number two was had some some ability to to direct them to to act on somebody. Um, oh. I'm trying to think of there was that episode where he escapes in the boat. Yes. And I feel like there was some implied footage that suggested that number two. I don't remember there ever being a moment where he like says, hey, what they are and a like, let's do the thing. Usually he's mm-hmm. directing someone to chase after somebody. So it's very possible. You're probably right. Like, you know, but he was allowed to escape and go to London or someplace and then come back. Yes. Yes, he as was. As part of the That's torture. Right. Like, he made it all the way there and was, like, living in London in that woman's house for, like, a month or something. Well, it was his house yeah, that then, she lived in. Yeah. And then they, like, yeah. Yep. You're right. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah, they try to, like, they kind of, like, dangle shit in front of him. It's weird. Like, they, they escalate, you know. They escalate, <coughs> escalate, escalate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a great show. Highly yeah, recommended. Now, it's really great. Yeah. 
I'm just going to have to go back and watch the original ones. And then I'll see what Patrick McGowan said about, about yes. his own show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, so good. Yeah. It's really great. It's a delightful show. Um, yeah. He just like walks off at the end. Like they let him free. Yeah. Huh. Kind hmm. of unsanctimoniously. Like they're just like, all right. Right. And he leaves. That's it. <laughs> he walks. He, uh, he walks on foot. He leaves on foot. Right. Like the funny thing about this show to me is also how, like, one man's dystopia is like another man's like heaven, right? Like or utopia. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, um, you know. There's much. There's much that appeals to me about living in that village where it's like you don't have to, um, you know, your basic needs are met. And so you're left to have all these like other interactions and you not have to worry about like whether you've put a roof over your head or whatever. I mean, I understand that they, Mm -hmm. they, you know, the character's motivation is to leave and and escape this prison. Um, But like as a prison goes, like in a country where we imprison like so much of our fucking population, which is insane to me, um, it's kind of nuts to me because it's like, you know, that life there it's like it becomes that question of like would i feel like that's prison like i i feel Mm. like in many ways i'm in prison in my own sense that it's like i'm limited by my access to certain resources and my control over those resources and my need to you know continue to pay for like my basic needs so that i have to keep going to a job that i don't enjoy and you know all of these things it's like you know it is that weird gray area of like fucking like you know you know, and I'm not arguing that like being confined to a prison cell and losing even more rights is not terrible. Like it is terrible. I'm just, you know, the question becomes like this, like balance of like, you know, one of the things about the show and the prisoner is like, I I often find myself asking, what is it that he's actually haven't like, what is actually given up here? Like when he says, you know, I'm not a number, I'm a free man. Like, you know, what is it that he's given up here? Is this sort of like just a matter of pride and like otherwise, like, you know, the fact that they call you number six, otherwise, like they could call you red or blue or any, they could call you Bob when your name is George and that fucking sucks. But like, what else are you giving up? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. But I mean, also then you watch the shows and you see the like the psychological war games that there are mind games that they play with this character and the way that they like, trap him into things and and create these like um you know just horrible interactions right like they often want to yeah. they often seems to seem to want to like take away his his autonomy by like his sense of free will is a big thing right yes. that it seems like they're always attacking that by showing that they already know what he's going to choose to do yes they're like oh we already know what you're going to do you're going to do this and like, watch, we can do this. And now you're going to do this. And like, and then they love to reveal to him that they know this information. Um, mm-hmm. And a yeah, lot of that, just, you know, it's like it's super <coughs> weird too. Cause they're like, we already know what you're going to do, but, but we don't know what you did. Or, right. You know. Right. Right. But I, like, also I think about in the context of like designing a dystopia um, is, is like, is removing the sense of unknown like if if basically 
you know, if you said this is the future I want, and then I said, great, now that's everything you have. Like now it's laid out. Like this is the rest of your life. You already know how it's going to go. And that's what you have to live. And you can choose whichever one you want, but you have to know it in entirety. And there's no novelty anymore. Oh God. Right. Sounds horrible. Right. Like it's sort of like, it's weird because on the one hand, like a lot of anxiety comes from not knowing, like worrying about what's going to happen and worrying that bad mm-hmm. things are going to happen hoping that, hoping that good things are going to happen. But if you could just know that all the good things are going to happen, but you just have to like, but you already know that they are there. Like that's not great either. Right. Um, I don't, I would not necessarily get bored with all great things. No, I well, no, but I, you know, and, and obviously like, I think the details matter, but like, it's sort of like, if you knew like kind of the way, if you could remember the future, the way you remember the past Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's just clear the whole way to the end and you know that it's going to be all good things. Like, um, but more importantly, you just know what they are to a T, right? Like there's no decisions just to be made one anymore. Way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you just know, um, you know, and obviously it's like kind of hard to fully conceptualize that cause that's not the case. And like, how does that actually saying, work? But though. yeah, right. I get what you're saying. Um, remembering the future in the same way that we remember the past would be really weird. And also it would definitely make i feel like it would kind of give a taint of nihilism to everything because you're like well i already sure. know so what's the difference right right i mean i think um i think it would have a kind of effect the way that um you know and not everybody's like this but uh people that have um kind of grown up with a trust fund and and potentially like just don't they, they struggle to find like identity and like and an understanding of purpose and things like that because they just have not had much struggle in their life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that is, it's weird, right? Like, cause I think that, um, you know, as a human, it's like, like, I don't, I don't like to give credit to the fact that like bad things formed good things for me. Right. Like, you know, Mm. I'm a better person because I know how bad something sucks having experienced it. And so I don't do it to other people like that's good, but having had to experience the bad thing in order for that to be the case, I struggle with that. Right. Like that justification, like it's not, you know, that's not okay. Right. But anyway, my point is just like, I, I know I'm like, really diverged off of off of the idea but (laughs) like yeah um anyway i don't know like i was trying to think of something thoughtful to respond to and i just couldn't think of it quickly enough oh sorry oh that's okay yeah pausing and and thinking um that's allowed yeah (laughs) but i'm not sure what to say like uh i i think i get what you're saying and i think i agree with you (laughs) Um, what time is it? Let's see. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I do have to go back. I took, this was basically a long lunch, lunch break. So I should go back to go back to work. Well, it was, it was an excellent lunch break. Yes. We got to, we got to talk about the prisoner and designing dystopias. Yes. It's always fun. Yeah. Super fun. We did a really good job. You guys, you guys, uh, inward facing circle doing such a great job. You guys. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, do you have any words of wisdom or anything for our mm. our friend Buster the dog or anyone else who has made it this far through our conversations? I don't know. I think um, I really can't stress enough that it would be lovely to hear from people. I, I enjoy the few times that people have written in. Um, and you can, again, always email Dana, D-A-N-A, at fcpm.io. Um, I just like to plug that because I think uh, it's pretty cool to hear from yeah. people that we don't know but have yeah. either common interests or different interests or just want to participate. Um, Def. I think, uh, hmm, what do I have tip? Let's see. Maybe just like some advice. Um, I think that uh, my advice would be to um, mix up your morning routine every once in a while. Oh, that's a good piece of advice. Every once in a while, if you find yourself doing the same thing that gives you comfort, um, you know, and I, I am, I love to do this. Like I, for a long time, um, I would just make a cup of coffee or whatever and, and kind of sit down and give myself a minute before I like launched into work or opened up my computer or whatever. Um, and I Mm -hmm. think that's important. I just would suggest to, um, consider it and, you know, give it a change every once in a while. Like, you know, sit somewhere else, do something else, take that break at a different time. Um, you know, just give yourself yeah. a chance to appreciate the thing that you liked from a different perspective, whatever it is. Yeah. So. That's great advice. Yep. This is good. This has to do with like things we've talked about before, giving your brain like a different set of operating uh, yes. components and like switching yep. things up a little bit makes new neural connections and uh, yep. actually allows you to see, th- see things in a completely different light or angle and it can right. make a big difference. You can do so many things. Right. Um, the other thing that I would maybe suggest is if you find yourself um, like just drowning under the oppressive weight of your life and everything that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes... Yeah, I I think that sometimes um, something that can help is to move your like move yourself in a way like so. For instance, um, put yourself next to things that might disrupt that if that's all mm. you can do. Like okay, um, you know, I'm not saying that you have to fucking get off the couch. I'm just saying like if you have a friend who can come move the couch somewhere else where you're wallowing in depression, like. You know what I mean? Like put yourself adjacent yeah. to things that uh, try to continue to expose yourself to new ideas and thoughts and people so that when something comes along, you're around to experience it that might like yes. shift you because I don't pretend to think that like, oh, just don't be depressed or just be happy. Like mm-hmm. that's all bullshit. Like, you know, you feel a way you do and maybe you know why and maybe you don't or maybe you at this point it's hard to even see why because that shit is fucking cumulative, right? Like you feel bad about yes. something and then your brain's just like, what's the fucking point? And before you know it, it's like you're just sitting at the fucking bottom of a like empty well wondering how the fuck you got there. And so my suggestion mm-hmm. is that if you can, um, you know, invite people around occasionally, if you can tolerate them, if you can, you know, just even even if it's just fucking watch a different, like go watch the prisoner or something, just like do like give yourself something new, like try to find new stuff if you can, um, you know, or give yourself opportunity to see new things. 
Yeah. If you're feeling shitty, a, a good deal of things that make people shitty have to do with the environment that they're in. And if yep. you have the opportunity to change and, and you can, if you have the capacity to change even tiny things, yep. sometimes that can make a big difference. Even if you don't know where to start. Yeah. I mean, I like, I weirdly went over to, um, I mean, they're not actually my parents-in-law because I'm probably never going to get married, but, um, I partner for a right. long time, her parents, yeah. um, and I've been friends with them and, and her sister for a long time. And I went over to their house yesterday to work on some personal projects that we've been working on together, some business ideas and things. And, mm -hmm. um, and like not a lot got done, but, um, <laughs> but I, I was like, I did not want to go. I had been, I was like, I just want to fucking lay on my couch. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go for a little bit and like, yeah. you know, go through the motions. And I'm actually really glad I did it. Like weirdly caught me off guard. And I was like, oh, actually I'm super into this thing that we've been working on and I want to work on it. <laughs> and I wasn't before I went over there and I wasn't, you know, and it's like, yeah. and so I think that's kind of what I thought about is like a good tip is it's like, you never know. And so if you can find a way to expose yourself rather than like, I'm, you know, I'm not arguing that you like fucking get it up for this shit. Like, you know, go be, yeah. <laughs> I've been recently, I've been really joking with my partner because I'm like, I, I like, I texted her while I was in Germany and I was like, cause she's been kind of feeling like, man, you're really just like really down a lot lately. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. And, and you know, well, what the fuck do you do about it? Um, like it's not her job to like fucking keep me like fucking perfectly happy, nor is it anybody else's. But I started, I kind of was like joking with her. I was like, man, we should take a trip to Germany. I think I could be really miserable here. <laughs> right. And, and that's kind of my point is it's like, I think this tip is like, you know, if you're already in a state, like consider enjoying, like consider having that state of mind elsewhere as well. Like, you know, can you, you know, take yourself, setting, to, yeah. yeah, like go down to the fucking ice cream store and get yourself an ice cream cone and fucking, you know, self lick that fucking self licking ice cream cone of despair, like help out a little bit. So, you know, it help is, out. it may lick itself. That's true. But you could also get a few licks in there if you want. Um, Right. I, I don't know. I, I guess like I'm just saying, you know, these things, these things can help. Um, I by no means like would ever suggest that that's what one must do in order to be happy. I just have noticed that no. this thing happened for me recently and I was like, oh, right. If I can just get myself near some shit, maybe some of it will stick at some point. So just yeah, you just have to. Um, uh, you know what I you should do. I, right. Yeah. If the cumulative effect of all of the things in your life is that you are miserable, mm -hmm. then changing and tweaking things in your life is not a bad place to start. Right. Right. And it's to the extent that you have control over those things and can change them. Yeah. And I think one of the things I was I like, yeah, and that's a perfect, perfect point or that you, I think you encapsulate what I was saying like very well. And I think um, and it doesn't have to be big. And just be the smallest little yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And so, you know, think small, act small. Whatever yep. whatever is within that capacity where you are is totally great. No no act of creation no is ever too small. act of creation is ever too small. Exactly. That's right. Yep. That is right. And don't you fucking forget it. Right. 
<laughs> I, it has occurred to me that um, we're in like way over time now. I mean, this is fine. Like my, it's Friday. Like work is, you know, it'll still be there when I get done. But um, yeah. I also am imagining like, you know, if somebody's still listening, they're like, fuck, I thought these guys are going to like wrap up the episode now. Um, right. This is like that. This is like the hidden track after, you know, like after a song <laughs> where you wait for the silence for a few minutes and then it's yes. like, you know. Um, yes. Or like you see, like if you had a Walkman, like a CD Walkman back in the day and you'd be like yes. 99 tracks what and then you like, right. let it roll through and like everything from track 12 to track 97 is just dead three seconds of dead air time yes and then you have yeah. to like get all the way through it to the end before you can hear like the good stuff yep at the yep end. yeah there's a nine inch nails album like that which one is it i want to oh, say maybe um, the broken ep i think that's right yeah 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 <laughs> how funny yeah, we are that we are definitely we are that. that I was thinking we have um, I, I was thinking of like there were some good podcast titles that came up recently, like almost like like, for instance, designing dystopias seems like a podcast in and of itself, not just an episode, but like a whole yes. like I, I'm almost tempted to like launch that as like a side project <laughs> where it's like like once a month, like we d- deliver an episode with like a whole new design or whatever in the category of art and design. Um, yes. I, I, I mean, down for that, <laughs> for sure. It would be a cool platform to um, like talk about uh what's the what's the magazine that's like very anti-consumerism um adbusters adbusters yeah like it would be very like adbuster-esque right like you could just be very like talk about um like the fucking despicable practices of corporations and the way that they you know manage their people and manage Mm -hmm. products and basically like rape the environment like left and right yep so we could talk about that till we died right We'd, we would never run out of them to talk about yeah no i know yeah golly uh-huh. there's just so many of them right. it's interesting to me. and we could we could have advertising on that no i'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right every 30 seconds yeah every there'd be another seconds. ad yeah. the ads would sound exactly like whatever else we were talking about so you could not distinguish between when we were trying to sell you something <laughs> right. or not right just, <laughs> just fully sold out yeah <laughs> yeah oh man well i <laughs> i don't want to brought to you by pearface yeah okay yeah right speaking of advertising right yeah all right well um thanks everybody for listening and uh thanks. we hope you have a really good day so bye buster we love you yeah, bye, Buster. Hope you're having an okay time over there in the world. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs>